I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. Today's guest is one of the most prolific writers in our community and one whose books I have been binging on like crazy. Harper Bliss, welcome and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Your latest, I Hope That I Don't Fall in Love With You, was released in January. For anyone who hasn't read it yet, give them an overview. Okay, um, so I hope that I don't fall in love with you with the long-winded title. It's a, <laughs> I do love a long-winded title. It's a toaster oven romance, and it's about a hot cop, Jack, who only does one-night stands because, you know, she doesn't want to get attached. And then there is Dakota, who is tired of all the disappointing dates she goes on with mediocre men. And uh, her lesbian friends convince her to change her uh, Tinder preferences from male to female, and then she meets Jack, and, um, you know, a lot of stuff happens. <laughs> it's quite steamy. And they have an epic one-night stand, even if I do say so myself. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, you read it. <laughs> I have read it, and it is, it is very, very steamy. Yeah, it is right from the beginning, straight into it. But, you know, the book really needed it, I think so. And there are some old friends who are in this book as well. Well, it's set in what I call the Blissverse, which is like interconnected celebrity romance novels. And then, yeah, her lesbian friends who convince her to try women on the app. They're Jamie and Mac from the previous book, still the one. And then there's Lila and Izzy from A Breathless Place. There's always a lot of familiar faces. And then at the end, there is, of course, someone else, but maybe I won't spoil it. <laughs> That's one of the things I love about your books is how I get to see old friends when I'm reading a new book. That's also why I do. it's fun for me to write, but I hear from a lot of readers that they, uh, they do enjoy that. What do you have planned for release next? Well, nothing yet. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing yet. Because well, I used to finish a book, start a book, right? That used to be how I did it. But I finished this book uh, what, November, and then it has to go through all the stages. And this time I decided not to start until the book was published. So it's been three months. And this week I started on my new book. But it's absolutely impossible to say when it will be ready. Maybe by the summer. There's no title. There's, there's just a very... Um, Persistent image of Kate Blanchett, that's all I have. That's that's oh. what I'm working with, age gap. That's what <laughs> well. I went into my uh, my writing cave with. So, uh, so we're, we're going to have to see. So what have you been doing for the three months you haven't been writing? Well, after I finish the first draft, I have to do a couple more drafts. And then um goes to my editor. I need to go over the edits. We have to plan for all the marketing. Plus, also, it was the holidays, so I took a little bit of time off. And um, I spend a lot of time on marketing as well. So that, that's like three months of preparing for the book launch, getting everything ready. I do a lot of Facebook advertising as well. So all of these <laughs> things, basically marketing, which also needs to happen. A Breathless Place is my favorite book of yours. It's not a light read, but it's done with such care and is filled with such hope, despite the heavy subject matter. If you were casting actresses to play Layla and Izzy, who would you cast? Well, that is a difficult question, I have to say. But first, I want to say thank you for you know your appreciation of my book. A Breathless Place is it's my favorite too, but I know it's not an easy book. 
it scares off a lot of people. But the people who do read it, they usually they're quite touched by it because yeah, it is it is quite heavy. But for the casting, I don't know. I mean, I see them. I see them in my head, right? And usually, I always have a fantasy casting before I start a book. Always, it's how I start. But yeah, when I say always, always is not always because for this book, it's it's really quite difficult. So I think I'm gonna maybe have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I, do, I don't know. The cover of this book is one of my favorites. If you sold that as just a print, I would buy it and blow it up and put it in my house. It's gorgeous, and your wife did that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah she did that. Yeah, it's great. Beautiful oh, picture. I'll, I'll tell her that you uh, that you like it. One of the things I appreciate most about your books is how seasoned the lead characters are. It's refreshing to see women over 50 finding love and enjoying sex. We're not dead just because we're over 50. Exactly. I'm 45, so. Oh, you're a baby. I, I, can't, I can't speak from experience, but, you know, I hope I'll still be very much alive in five years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you will be. I'm 51, and I'm, I'm yeah. doing all right. You look like you're doing great. What's the biggest age gap you've written? Oh, the biggest, I don't know, probably about 20 years. But I find that as I get older, my first age gap was Seasons of Love, right? I'm trying to remember their ages. But I know the younger character, she was really quite young, like just out of college, probably university. So, and I think that might have been almost... 30. Ooh, it sounds quite scandalous <laughs> right now. But of course, as I get older, my characters also get a little bit older, and then especially the older women. So then I do tend to make them a bit, a little bit younger now, I think. Not that scandalous. I mean, Holland Taylor and, and Sarah Paulson, that's like 40 years there. They're the perfect example, and they make, they make everything all right. They really do. They are so adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's true. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But I think usually I would go for like maybe 15, 20, 25. I don't know. It's a range, but I think it, it depends on the story as well. If I were a new reader to your books, which three would you recommend I start with to get the best Harper Bliss experience? Well, my most popular and most commercial book is definitely about that kiss. That's also a very good introduction to you know what I call the bliss first. So the interconnected celebrity romance. So there's a lots of, there's lots of glitz and glamour and some good uh, toaster of an action, which I also like. My second favorite trope, or maybe my my favorite after age gap, and um, it was also one of my most favorite books to write. Some books just come out. So about that kiss, I think would definitely recommend. When I release a book, not everyone always likes it, but about that kiss, pretty much everybody liked that one and then i would also maybe recommend my first age gap that i previously mentioned seasons of love it's like my quintessential age gap romance right and i think that's probably also a good intro into what i like to do and then if you want all the tropes and all the drama then i would say french kissing because uh, i always say it's like the l word but set in paris and without jenny so oh gosh <laughs> all the that right there should sell it to anyone no jenny man i don't think i've ever hated a tv character more than i hated jenny i know i, I don't think i've ever spoken to anyone who liked jenny the people who created the show they must have really liked jenny though I don't think so, because they didn't punish anyone for her murder. <laughs> ah, yeah, okay, well, <laughs> if you look at it like that, but, but that was right at the end, though, so. Okay, I forgot that she died, actually, that's actually, <laughs> that brightens my day, no, I shouldn't say it's, that. Oh, it does, <laughs> that's, that's I'm sure she's a lovely person in real life. Yeah, they gave her a, a bad part. <laughs> yeah, they did. Do you have plans to write more books in the Pink Bean series? 
Good question. I, I don't have plans, but I get the question a lot because, well, it's my own fault because I always said I would do 12 books and I've only done 10. But of course, the attempt was quite a few years ago now. So, and now my uh, my first world problem is I'm enjoying writing in the bliss first so much. It's really hard to drag myself out and go back to the pink bean. So I would say my official answer is always no. But I I always do say as well, never say never because it's quite hard to go back to something. It does sting a little because I never officially ended it. But then my wife says, oh, what are you worrying about? You know, you're enjoying what you write right now and people enjoy it too. So just continue what you're doing. So that was a long-winded way of saying no. <laughs> You are one of the most prolific writers in the genre. How long does it take you to write a book? Do you have a specific writing location and do you write at the same time every day? Well... To that, maybe I would say I used to be very prolific. I feel like I've got much less prolific. But I mean, I just released my 40th book. So since starting 11 years ago, it's not it's not bad, right? That's, That's a lot bad, of books. I think. <laughs> but like the last two to three years, I feel like I've naturally slowed down a lot. And um, because I, I think one one year I wrote five books and that was just... You know, I think I was ready for burnout then. And there are a lot of authors who do this, a lot of respect for them, but I can't do it. I think that actually I'm, I'm much slower than I like myself to, than, than I would like to be. And I always try to push myself, like go, go, go. But, but now, like this year, I would be very happy with two books. If I have two books out this year, I would be happy. And of course, I have much less pressure now because I have a huge backlist, right? So not everything rides on a new release anymore, whereas it used, really did used to, so... It's really different uh, per book. Like about that kiss, I wrote in four weeks. And then my last book, I, it took me five months. So there's a wide range of, <laughs> and I, I can never really predict if it's going to go really fast or really slow. And also, it depends on on things, right? Like life circumstances, like things can happen, like in the family, or like we had a big move and stuff like that. So it all depends on that. So it's so it's really impossible to say how long does it take me. I don't know. I used to always plan for three months like in my calendar and booking my editor but um but I don't book my editors that long in advance anymore because I've had to uh, move my deadlines a, a couple too many times but I do always write in one specific location which is my 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 office and I usually have my uh, my furry companion by my side she loves to sit on my desk while I write and wag her tail over my keyboard so I can't type her really well and um, always first thing in the morning. The earlier, the better, really. So, and then usually for about two hours, and then I'm done. Then I'm done writing. I mean, I have other activities, uh, yeah. marketing and such. But uh, yeah, that's that's how I do it. And uh, since I wrote about that kiss, I always try to say, okay, let's do it like that again. You know, four weeks, let's go. But it, is, it has not happened since. And I've written quite a few books since then. And so I would say I'm really not that prolific anymore, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had a little bit of a hard time accepting that. But now I can I can say it's fine, you know. It's it's okay. You've had 40 books. You're doing okay, yeah. huh? Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. How many of your books has the great Abby Creighton narrated, and which is your personal favorite? Abby is amazing. That's true. She is. She's actually so amazing that um, because I used to really change the setting of my books, like I would, because I'm from Belgium, right? I live in Europe, and I would set books in the UK, for instance, but I don't do that anymore because then she can't 
narrate them because, you know, I'm not going to ask Abby Craven to do a British accent. So I need to have characters with American accents so that she can read them because, you know, she listeners, they, they love her so much. So, and what is she? She's done most of the Bliss verse and she's done French Kissing. She just finished, I just got the files from her for I Hope That I Don't Fall In Love With You. So um, that should be out soon. But to be honest, personally, I, I'm not an audiobook listener. I read on Kindle and on paper and listening to my own books is not something that <laughs> I enjoy. And I would love to enjoy it because I would love to listen to, I mean, I've listened to snippets and stuff like that. I would love to listen, but it's very difficult because I, I love reading my own books. I do that all the time. It's like my guilty pleasure. But listening to my own audiobooks, I, I can't do it. So, but this is not Abby's fault. I definitely want to stress before um, I get hate mail saying, oh, you have to listen to Abby. But it, it's me. But yeah, I should maybe try again. All of that being said, Abby Creighton is amazing. She is. Not everyone's an audiobook reader. Some people just can't get into it. I like it for if I'm driving to work or if I'm taking a long trip somewhere. How many languages have your books been translated into, and could you ever have imagined that happening when you first started publishing? I could never have imagined any of this, right? Because I have books now in German, I have books in French, I have just the one in Brazilian Portuguese, and then I just had a, our first, uh, Claire Leiden and I, our co-write, just came out in Italian. So um, to me, this is, it's really crazy. But I think because I started 11, 12 years ago, and I think so much has changed. Right? I, th I wouldn't say Lesvik is mainstream now, but it's much less niche than it used to be. Like so many people want to read Lesvik. Like every year I sell more books. I mean, it's, I mean, if you have more backlist, it's normal, but still, like especially 2023, right? I there's, I feel like there's been a big change and it just goes to show that you just never know what's going to happen next, right? I mean, you see it in movies as well or, in, or when you watch television. Every new show has a lesbian couple. It's like we're almost shouting at our television like, again? <laughs> it's, it's like, what? <laughs> lesbians again? So I think, yeah, I think lesbians are just so mainstream now, which is great. I love it. That's right. You can never have too many. <laughs> no, exactly. If you and your wife could have a dinner party with two of your couples, which two would you choose and why? Well, this is uh, both an excellent and uh, divisive question because, <laughs> of course, I had to consult my wife on this because if we were to have a dinner party, she would definitely be doing the cooking. So, so I have to uh, take her suggestions under advisement. Personally, I, I would always choose Izzy and Lila from A Breathless Place because they keep turning up in all the books I write after A Breathless Place the most. It's like they've, they've become like this central couple, right? It's also easy because, you know, like Izzy is this singer and everybody knows her and stuff. And also I think Lila is, uh, well, she's to die for, so uh, I would love to have her for dinner. But my wife, she has totally insisted on Lee and Jody from Once in a Lifetime. She has a big crush on uh, Lee, who is like a really hot power lesbian, like a lawyer. Like, uh, she likes that. So it would have to be them as well, which would make for an interesting dinner, I think, with Izzy and Lila. Yeah. I get to come since I came up with this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. Come along, definitely. You and your wife, Caroline, hosted a podcast for several years, Harper Bliss and Her Misses. Your obvious chemistry and banter came through so well. I also learned that now that I'm over 50, I can stick money up my business and go swimming and won't get wet. <laughs> 
why did you start this podcast and why did you decide to end it? <laughs> well, you just said I have a vague memory of saying that, but I really do not remember the mechanics of that. I haven't <laughs> tried it and I don't remember why I said that. It was a big story and I thought to myself, well, that, okay, I couldn't try that because one, money is the dirtiest thing there is and I wouldn't want to put that up there. <laughs> Fair point, yes. I wouldn't mind giving it a go to see what happens. <laughs> Okay, I'll let report me know back. if you do it, but clean the, <laughs> the money thoroughly first and then, then let me know. Well, we started our podcast quite a long time ago because Sheena from the Lesbian Review, she started podcast channels back in the day and, and she asked us and she came up with the name and everything. She said, oh, Harper, listen and misses. It sounds so uh, catchy. And then she was right. And then we started recording weekly podcasts for them because it sounded like fun and we didn't have to do a lot of work because, you know, they did all the, the editing and blah, blah, blah. We just, you know, chatted for a while and just sent the files. But then we decided to part ways and then we did everything ourselves. And then, well, Caroline had to do all the extra work. And then I think it just became a bit too much of a chore. And also our podcast, what, we call, what did we say about it? It is it is neither professional nor profound, right? It's just like <laughs> some chatting. And I always feel like I'm so much better at writing than I am at talking. So maybe I should just do some more writing instead of all this talking. And then we also joke that we just ran out of things to say because we've been, we recently celebrated 23 years together. So. But that's actually not true, though, because I think she would like me to have a little less to say. But yeah, I think it's, we just stopped because we we started missing more and more weeks. And it's not fun for listeners either if, if they're waiting for their weekly podcast and it's not there. And then it just yeah kind of petered out and then we stopped doing it. And I think it's been a year now that we stopped. But it was fun. It's a lot more work than people might think it is. I spend hours and hours editing because I'm like a meticulous editor. Now I do it every two weeks or just whenever the mood strikes me. And it's it's so much less stressful, frankly. And I think people love yours just because it gave readers such a great opportunity to learn more about you. You live in your home country of Belgium after living for seven years in Hong Kong. What do you love about Belgium and what do you miss about Hong Kong? Oh, yeah, Hong Kong. We loved living there so much, but, you know, it was extremely busy and expensive. But we, we miss our friends in Hong Kong. We miss the food. The food was amazing. And also the convenience of everything. Well, I must maybe say for expats because it's not the same for everyone. Also, the, the winters were very mild, but summer was unbearable in Hong Kong. Yeah, we do miss Hong Kong, but it has changed so much. We left in 2017. And uh, since then, like we had the umbrella revolution, so many things have changed. And most of our friends that we made there, they're not there anymore anyway. Now we've been in Belgium and Belgium, Belgium is its home, right? Home will always feel like special and we have our family and well... Rent in Hong Kong was astronomical, so here we can have a big house for like... In Hong Kong, it would have been a tiny studio apartment with a, like a shower over the toilet, probably. So, <laughs> so things like that. Space, you know, some space, because just walking around in Hong Kong, I always used to say there's always someone in the way, you know, I just... Well, we've been back in Belgium for a while now, so I think we will stay here, mainly because of our families, because, you know, our parents, they're, they're not getting any younger either, so... For that, I think we we will settle down here. What's your favorite meal and what drink do you pair it with? Well, in memory of our time in Hong Kong, my wife, she tries to make some uh, Asian dishes. She does a really good mapu tofu, which is like 
tofu with Sichuan peppercorns. It's so good. It was one of our favorite dishes when we were there and she has recreated it really well. And then I would pair it with a beer that my sister, I have a twin sister, and her husband, they make beer. And it's called, it's a Dutch name. So Engelke, it translates as Little Angel. And it's delicious, but it's also very strong. And my sister always makes me drink way too much of it. That's my wife does. <laughs> but uh, mapo tofu and a, and a nice beer, that goes very well together. And that, that sounds pretty good to me. I've never been able to get into tofu. It's just made the textures bother mm. me. Or maybe I don't know how to fix it. Probably is yeah, more. Yeah, not. but I used to, that used to be exactly what I said. But there's two kinds of tofu, right? You have like, I don't know, regular tofu. And then you have silken tofu. This is with silken tofu. It's very different. And if you ever get the chance to try this particular dish, mapu tofu, then it might change your mind about tofu. Because I'm not a big tofu lover either. But this dish is so good. I'll have to give it a try. If you could take a road trip with three other sapphic authors, who would you choose and why? My first reaction would be, I'm not going to do that. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm not really a people person. But as it turns out, I've already done it once because a couple of years ago, Claire Lydon and T.B. Markinson and I, we decided to write a series set in the Cotswolds. And we said, well, we must go on a research trip. And we did. My wife, Caroline, she drove us because TB, she can drive. But I don't drive and Claire doesn't drive. We needed a driver. So we went to the Cotswolds and uh, it was uh, it was a very short road trip, I must say. It was just, well, we spent some time in London, but one night in the Cotswolds and a lot of our research was spent in pubs. <laughs> but uh, but I get along really well with Claire and TB as well. But TB, well, she used to live in London, but she lives in the US now, so... I haven't seen her in ages. But then if I have to ask a third, then I would definitely ask my friend and longtime editor, Cheyenne Blue. Because when we lived in Hong Kong, we visited her in Australia, I think maybe twice. And uh, she is absolutely wonderful. She is a lovely person. So I think that would be, I think that would be a great road trip. But I know I've picked people that I know, (laughs) which would be my preference anyway. (laughs) And uh, that sounds like a fun road trip. And I would have to take my wife so she can drive us, though. Well, of course. And I've and talked to all of those. And... Oh, you have. Yeah, yeah, they're all very, very nice. What was the first sapphic book you ever read? I honestly cannot remember. I mean, it must have been the one in Dutch, which nobody would ever have heard of anybody. <laughs> when I was young, we used to go to the library a lot. Like my mom, she took us to the library all the time. And there wasn't a lot of sapphic literature, but there was some. And I do remember reading some, like when I was, I don't know, maybe 16, 17, but I do not remember what that was. But what I do remember, the one I distinctly remember and will always forever, it's probably not my first, but it was uh, Pages for You by Sylvia Brownrigg. Uh, I love that one so much. I've reread it quite a few times because actually when that came out, there wasn't even that much uh, sapphic fiction yet. I don't remember when but that one I love a lot so let's just say that was my first because the ones in Dutch I really cannot remember they're they're probably extremely obscure and that's an answer I'm very happy with because I like that book a lot whether I like equal as much I'm I'm not sure but I mean and that book pages for you I loved it but but the ending was it was not happier I wouldn't call it a sapphic romance it was just a sapphic storyline that that ends. Let's say she doesn't get the toaster oven in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the opposite of what I write. But I did like that a lot. 
That was a very good book. Well, Harper, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again to Harper Bliss for joining me today. To learn more about Harper and find links to purchase her books, visit harperbliss.com. And be sure to check out her latest, I Hope That I Don't Fall In Love With You. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclaura. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, happy reading.